Hey, it's Seeking Plum. Today I was pondering an interesting question. Can a city be people-centrically designed without the question of transportation overtaking that design? Okay, let me flesh this out a little bit. I came across a Wired.com article entitled, Bring on the... Okay, and every time I try to say this word, it comes out wrong. Uh, Bikeoclipse, it's kind of like the apocalypse, but with bikes. <laughs> okay, anyway, I just want to read you a little bit from this article because this is what spurred some of my thinking. In 1950, just 83 cities had more than 1 million inhabitants. By 2008, that number had risen to more than 400. That means that the overwhelming majority came of age in the last half century or so. But post-car cities are invariably broken on some fundamental level. They're architected around vehicles, not people, and feel inhuman as a result. Cars, after all, require acres of flat, open space to operate effectively, both when moving and when parked. The result is cities that are all but unnavigable to anybody without wheels. Cars inflict an awful toll in terms of public health, too. Millions of deaths and injuries due to crashes, as well as elevated levels of particulate pollution and a strong incentive for citizens to sit down too much and self-propel around the city too little. A little later, the article asks, are cities doomed to be forever tainted by the original sin of their birth date? So I started wondering, what if we designed a city that was oriented around people and not around vehicles? What would that look like? Obviously, we can't dismiss transportation, so there would have to be, in my mind, a subway system of some kind. Maybe it uses the same technology that's being used now, maybe it uses something different, and it may have to have a different kind of map or layout than what is typically used in many cities today. Above ground, uh, in this Wired article, they talked about a couple of companies in China that offer dockless bike share. So uh, it, as long as you have a smartphone, you can use an app and access these bikes that have GPS trackers and digital locks. And you can borrow a bicycle uh, for no more, get this no more than 15 cents, and ride it to wherever you needed to ride it and drop it off. The crazy thing is, is that because of the ebb and flow of how people move, these bikes essentially get to where they need to go and where people need them based on just the flow of people. Okay, so if we have no automobiles above ground and we're using uh, jogging or walking, we are using bikes, things like this above ground, that's going to change the lay of the land. Quite literally, roads don't need to be laid out the way they are. They also don't need to be kept up the way they are. They don't need to have the uh, macadam or the blacktop um, because of the vehicles driving on them. The surfaces we walk, jog, or ride the bikes on are not as imperative as they are with a car. It also means that the paths or throughways can be designed to be beautiful because we're taking our time and we are moving through these spaces 
in such a way that we can actually enjoy them. Cities don't have to be laid out so that vehicles can make their way through. Buildings don't even have to be square or rectangular to fit with each other on a city block. Architecture can really be more organic uh, to fit with the topography of the land. I mean, every decision that we have by default decided should be a certain way can be re-evaluated to say what would be more efficient, more uh, quality, more effective for a person than for life with uh, a vehicle or an automobile. Can you just imagine all of the open green spaces? I've been thinking on aspects of this city all day today, and there are parts of it that I simply can't wrap my head around, like the differences of what it could be like. Yet I know they would exist, those differences. Coming back to the topic of transportation, I know it's not as simple as moving to subway system and then walking, jogging, and bicycles above ground. Inevitably, there are going to be people who want to move faster than walking or jogging or a bicycle. So I considered the idea of adding, you know, a road of some kind alongside the subway system below ground. Not for cars, but for things like segways or motorized bikes or even motorized chairs, things like that. But it brought me back to a few things that were spoken about in the article. When it mentioned car crashes and pollution and the incentive to sit down too much and not to self-propel and that cars tend to make people small and weak and helpless and scared, you know, of getting hurt or being hurt or hurting someone. And this road alongside of the subway system could have that same effect. You put any kind of motorized vehicle of, of any kind and you're going to have that same type of thing. So you put a moped in there and you've got you know, pollution and all of these vehicles of any kind moving along and and if there's no rhyme or reason to it, um, there could be accidents. And if you do implement some sort of rule of driving, then we're almost back to where we started, you know. And if this alternative road exists below ground and it moves faster, you know, will more people want to use it? rather than being above ground and using their own means to get around. To me, the idea of moving myself around the beauty of the city and, and the benefit of being in the city, yet having the beauty of it, the decreased pollution, the decreased noise, oh, it, sounds, it sounds wonderful. Also, just a different kinds of architecture to look at, different spaces to move through. And I think that just by the nature of recreating the city as a whole, that that would change our overall perspective. So I think that even the smaller spaces, right, inside of the buildings, 
those spaces are going to change as well. We're going to be more people-oriented. So I would think that instead of working in cubicles or having white-walled, you know, rooms or classrooms being cinder-blocked walls, you know, and this kind of thing, that it's going to be more um, creatively inspired or uh, nature-infused spaces. I mean, personally, I think that nature has such a positive influence on on anything and everything that we do. So to to shut that out is such a disservice to us. So to build places and spaces that bring more of that in, uh, or like whether it's more glass windows, whether it's bringing more of green in, I uh. Yeah, I, I long for that. Anyway, I think that the larger the city gets, the more difficult it would be to stay people-oriented because it's more difficult to move people around. That said, maybe maybe we would also redesign how we live life and how we work. And maybe maybe those things would all be in closer proximity to each other and be more in a community type uh, way of living, you know? It's hard to say. It, it really is. Anyway, I will link to the article in the show notes. It talks all about the bikes, and uh, it's got more information in there if you are interested in learning about that. Three o'clock in the afternoon, Miss Seeking Plum and the cockatoos have taken to the sky. It's very warm, again 30 degrees Celsius here in Perth, Western Australia where we have a lot of open spaces, a lot of grass, trees, plants and wildlife. And as you know I live in one of the most amazing places with lots of wildlife. Love what you're talking about here with the future, modern cities. You seem to be on a bit of a roll lately with the futuristic type of musings and big thinky thinks, deep thinking. I love bicycles and I love walking. These are my primary modes of transport and public transport. I own a car, but I drive rarely. I hate driving for so many reasons. I think it isolates us from our other fellow human beings. You have incidents like road rage where people feel so secure behind the safety of glass and metal or fiberglass that they can get angry at other people. I think humans moving at this speed in their own self-controlled vehicle is always going to be dangerous. It fills me with anxiety. I think it disassociates ourselves to ourselves and the natural environment. So I'm not fond of cars, but I own one and I do drive one occasionally. When I was in Cambodia, Everybody had these tuk-tuks, but they were different to the tuk-tuks in Thailand. They didn't seem to produce as much pollution. So as you know, it's like a motorbike with a little rickshaw contraption on the back that has enough space for four skinny bums, four Asian bottoms. That's probably not racist, but just true, whereas Westerners tend to have a wider girths. So maybe two and a half Westerners. 
I liked the size of these vehicles. They were big enough to put all your shopping in, big enough for a few people or just one person, and they can't go that fast, so they're safer. Plus, they're open. You have a canopy on the top, and sometimes they have these cute little curtains around the side, bench seats. So you're more in contact with your environment, and the traffic in Phnom Penh is insane. There's rarely traffic lights or roundabouts or stop signs or any sort of control system and yet the traffic works because everybody is so friendly and they all get along they all just kind of intersect each other like a great big coordinated ballet it seems choreographed and it's a bit frightening when you first get there because you're in a tuk-tuk or you're walking across the road and there's all these vehicles coming and they just swerve gently around you because nobody's going too fast and they smile and wave at each other all the time. And even if they disagree with each other's driving, they don't yell and scream. They wave and smile and say what they've got to say, like smiling. Hey, you're supposed to go left there, buddy. Wake up. So cute. And I can imagine a future where we had vehicles like this, which were solar-powered or electric, some sort of sustainable energy that doesn't impact with pollution on the landscape and the humans that are using these vehicles. So yeah, I would love to see a city that had bicycles and people walking and some sort of tuk-tuk vehicle. And I would like to see a city designed so that the centralized part of the city can only use these forms of transport and maybe segways and things like that. Something, nothing that goes too fast. And then on the outskirts of the city, like a ring road, which is how they used to design the towns in England, that's where the faster vehicles are, on bigger roads that are designed to be safe for vehicles moving fast, maybe bullet trains, things like that, like in Japan. So therefore, if you're moving through the center of a city, you can only use forms of transport that connect you with your environment and restrict the speed of your travel, which increases safety. But if you want to get somewhere that's a long distance away, then you have to go to the outskirts of that particular central city area and pick up a piece of big transport that will get you there faster. I got a bit confused when I was listening to your segments there, probably just me, Christine, but I couldn't figure out whether the humans were on the top or the bottom of the underground system. And personally, I think humans should be on the top. We should be able to walk around and cycle and interact with our natural environment. And then the, all the little vehicles should be underneath. So you could have a layer of human-propelled transport on the top, and then anything that's not human-propelled, like segways or motorized skateboards or tuk-tuks underneath. No cars, no trucks, no buses. Maybe a subway system. So yeah. I like this. I like these ideas of future cities and redesigning the way we work, play, socialize, travel. All of these things I think are really important. And personally, I enjoy that I don't have a huge footprint on the planet because of the way that I travel. And it's better for me. I always love hearing the birds and hearing you describe the green spaces there, Georgie. We may not see lots of green much of the year here, but the city has set aside quite a bit of green, and it's something I've really grown to appreciate. You know, as you were describing the tuk-tuk, uh, something that stood out to me was the fact that not only are we as passengers really a part of 
our surroundings, but the driver is really out there in the middle of traffic, unlike how we are when we're driving a car. So there is the benefit of some added safety with the decrease in speed, but I think as well that because the driver is really out there in the middle of this traffic, there is, I think, an added incentive to be safe when moving about. And when everybody who's a part of traffic has that viewpoint, I think that changes the whole dynamic. And there were several things that you touched on I never even mentioned, but they had been things I had been thinking about um, over the course of the day. Things like uh, solar power or sustainable energy, having to go to the outskirts of the city to use faster vehicles in a safe way. So I don't think it was you. I think that I didn't really clarify or speak clearly in what I was envisioning. So when you talked about the centralized part of the city and that being for slower vehicles, um, such as, you know, walking, jogging, you know, bicycles or, or what have you, um, that was my idea as well. But then I was thinking that, you know, because some people want to move faster, then I was thinking that some of those things maybe we would move them to a road beside the subway underground if they were going to be fast enough to cause um, some sort of concern above ground when interacting with people or if there was going to be excessive noise or pollution issues. You know, every every reason that we're trying to move away from vehicles then, you know, we would move those things underground, but still keeping them small enough that people have more personal ask access than, than if they were going to take public transportation through something like the subway. But really, if we're creating this brand new place using um, modes of transportation that have sustainable energy, we can implement speed restrictions, noise restrictions, you know, all of these things that we have concerns about, pollution restrictions. So we could still have these things above ground. I think for a minute there I got too hung up on this idealistic um, view of what I'd like to see rather than something more realistic of what would likely be. Next up is your story about bikes in Holland. And I have to say, I think your friend's boyfriend, he may have had, uh, you know, visions of the future. <laughs> hey, funny story about bicycles. When I went to Holland in the 90s, I think, I was 20, 20, 20 years old. They, my girlfriend and, and her boyfriend, they were like, Oh, so we're going to go down to the pub and watch a band, drink beer and smoke tobacco. And I was like, ooh, how exciting. How are we getting there? They're like, bicycle. And I was like, okay, cool. If we got bikes, they're like, no, we just go outside and grab some. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, in this city, you know, you can chain your bike up, but somebody always cuts it and takes the bike. So we just, it's like there's this unspoken system where people just leave bikes lying around and, and leaning against poles and we just grab them. So we went downstairs and my girlfriend actually did have her own bike. She was like, I don't agree with this sister, Bart, to her boyfriend, Greta. 
and he just grabbed a bike that was lying around and she shoved me on the back of her bike side saddle and off we went to the pub and yes we got home the same way drunk hey Rhonda it's Jared Slice Nick Radio um, I just in thinking about human scale and like new cities versus old cities I realized that I wanted to live specifically in an east coast city from the time that I spent in Germany and how much I enjoyed the yeah the the closeness of of the cities there um, yes there there's there's plenty of on the road transportation but I got along just fine in a medium sized city in Germany without a car walking around and I knew I kind of wanted to have that experience and it's east coast cities in the states that you're more likely to have a place where you can actually walk around and be okay. Hey Jared, yeah I think that the cities on the east coast and even a lot of the European cities there's a lot we can learn from them if we were to design this uh, new city and one of those things is the close proximity of, of buildings or resources. I think, too, it's that in some places, specifically, like I'm thinking of New York City, the buildings went up rather than it being a sprawling landscape, more like L.A. area. But whether the city grows up or out, we still have this need to get people places. And I think if we designed this city that some technologies that we use today would be used in new ways and then some new technologies would come along. And then there's some that we would just continue using as we do, like elevators, moving sidewalks. But yesterday when I was talking about the idea of having more organic architecture, I was also thinking, you know how the uh, rotating thing that your baggage comes out on and how those plates sort of move. It's kind of similar to how escalators move too. And I've seen these kinds of flat plates uh, moving in a circular pattern in other places too, but I can't remember off the top of my head where, but I still have that visual in my head. The point is, is that they could be used in such a way that they create a, a more organic shaped movable sidewalk in a, in a different shape for a, a more organic type shaped architecture, right? It doesn't have to be a straight line moving sidewalk. I was just thinking that in the buildings we could even bring back the idea of dumbwaiters or smaller elevators. And for that matter, I mean, we're going to see more use of drones, you know? I was listening to uh, a video the other day that I'm considering sharing here, or at least in parts of it, where they were talking about drones becoming large enough or strong enough to actually carry people. So um, possibilities abound. But I think one of the key things in this whole idea of designing a new city is, like you said, the proximity of everything. Because it, it is people-centric, and we, <laughs> we don't have the real capabilities of traversing the same, 
the same amount of land or distance that cars do. At least, at least not today or in the near future. <laughs> we 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 don't have uh, um, jetpacks yet <laughs> or anything like that. But but who knows? I mean, with these drones, you know, if they can carry us and whatever kind of distance, you know, or power they might have. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> can you imagine what this city might look like? Anyway, my imagination is running away with myself. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for calling in, Jared. Hey, Seeking Fun. It's Alan with Sentry Future. I really enjoyed your topic today. When we talk about future cities, one thing that comes to mind is really how people will spend their time and how those future cities uh, or changes to existing ones support how we use that time. I think the problems around transportation go away when technology makes transportation irrelevant, right? So whether it's more video conferencing or some sort of VR uh, type system, you know, for a lot of the meetings that need to work, if we get that opportunity to, to really work fairly personally, right, even in those environments, then I, I think there's a lot less transportation that's necessary. And frankly, since most of our future cities will be future versions of the ones we already have, rather than new ones, widespread deconstruction of the roads might not be while or subways might not be feasible. What does come to mind are drones capable of lifting people. What do you think? Hi, Alan. I think I made out everything you said. I agree with everything you said. I don't know if you caught the uh, last episode I did on human Ubers. Without really rehashing it here, it's it's much like you were talking about, you know, remote um, communicating or working, that kind of thing. But in a new way that hasn't been done before, whether it takes off or not is another thing altogether. And yeah, I don't think any cities that we currently have are going to have their uh, roads taken up or anything like that at all. But I think that like, if, if some alternate reality, this new city was designed and these new methods were implemented and they worked, then those ideas could be implemented in the cities we have today. But this is really, you know, all in the imagination because I don't see something like this really happening. And the drones carrying people, I had actually just heard about this type of idea in a video the other day. So um, it's kind of crazy to me to imagine this, um, but uh, apparently it's something that's possible or coming, and it kind of it kind of blows my mind. I'd imagine that as they become more prolific or common, we were going to have to have some sort of, you know, standards of how they operate and where they can go so we don't have this chaotic, you know, storm of of drones flying around and people bashing into each other. So we are safe. Then again, maybe the drones will have, you know, proximity sensors and all of that. So they don't have to rely on on humans to keep themselves safe. Technology and the world is advancing so quickly. 